We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is up, Packers fans? Welcome back to another edition of Pack-A-Day Podcast, the 188th edition of Pack-A-Day Podcast. I am joined today by a very special guest. Um, Ross Uglum will be with me in just a bit here. But before we get to Ross, my friend and Kansas City defensive extraordinaire, is that the right is that the right term, Craig? Unfortunately, this year, yeah, that is the right term, unfortunately. <laughs> So, yeah, so Craig actually writes for Arrowhead Pride. You can give him a follow at Barley Hop. He's a big fan of beer as well, so I'm sure Craig would appreciate any any beer suggestions that you have as well. But, Craig, yeah, he is the the expert on all things defense, Kansas City. You may be asking yourself, what defense? <laughs> probably, the same, probably the same question Craig's been asking as well all season. Probably the same question you've been getting a lot as well on Twitter, Craig. All season long, all season long. Yes. (laughs) But so if you've been following along in the, in the Packers world, the Packers actually just hired an outside linebacker coach from the Kansas city chiefs. And you may be asking yourself, wait a second, Jake, you literally just said all these terrible things about Kansas city defense. Why would the Packers go ahead and hire an outside linebackers coach by the name of Mike Smith? 
Well, that's why I brought in Craig today, because Craig is going to tell us a little bit about Mike Smith. So, Craig, with that question in mind of, okay, so the the, the uh, Chiefs, right, didn't have a very good defense. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is out of this world good, but their defense wasn't even good enough to get them to a Super Bowl. And I'm sorry if that's a little bit too soon for you, but <laughs> but, but Packers fans are probably wondering, so Mike Smith, what is his deal? Is he good? It was, you know, he just got fired from like the 32nd defense in the NFL. So who is this guy? Tell us, tell us a little bit about Mike Smith. Well, Mike Smith is a Bob Sutton disciple. And before you turn the podcast off in panic, that's actually a good thing in this scenario. He was with the Jets as an assistant coach for Bob Sutton. And then he left there, went to Texas Tech. And again, before you turn it off, he was the defensive coordinator there came to Kansas City as an assistant defensive line coach for two years, and last year he was promoted to the outside linebacker's coach position. That position and the pass rush in general is the only good thing that the Kansas City Chiefs defense had this past year. They led the league in sacks. They were tied for first. D. Ford had a career year. Justin Houston had a great year. Chris Jones had an awesome year. All three of those guys have credited Mike Smith with their game preparation and their pass rush plan, helping identify weaknesses within the offensive line, all over the offensive line. They all credited Mike Smith and said that he was the guy that helped them get ready for every game, and he's the guy that put them in the best chance to succeed. I personally wanted Mike Smith to be the Chiefs defensive coordinator in Bob Sutton's absence. I was a little sad to see him go, very sad that he's not on the staff in some way, shape, or form. He's about the only person that really deserved to make it through the Bob Sutton axing. And now you guys have him, and I expect uh, Fackrell to have at least 20 sacks next year. <laughs> at least. At, at least. least. At least. We're, we're probably talking you know, defensive MVP, I would, I would assume. But, um, Craig, to, so to let people know, though, too, so, Craig, you – have actually gone through every single defensive snap this season for the Kansas City Chiefs, and you charted and you write about it, correct? Correct, yes. I uh, came back this year to Arrowhead Pride. You used to write about the Chiefs back when Romeo Cornell and Clancy Pendergast were the defensive coordinators way <laughs> back in the day. But I came back this year to write about them because I was excited about some of the new additions they've made. And Boy, was I wrong. So I have just this litany of information about the 2018-2019 Chiefs defense that really has no bearing on anything anymore now that Bob Sutton's gone and all the tendencies and everything like that. But yeah, no, it it was unfortunate that I came back this year for this. <laughs> well, Craig, I know uh, I will say, though, the Chiefs are a little bit uh, the envy of the NFL, you could say, for, you know, obviously because the because of Andy Reid, you know, because Andy Reid is is the guy in there, right? That's what everyone's excited about in Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's the one thing. There might be, oh, uh, it's a young kid. His name is, uh, oh, shoot, Breland Speaks. That's the, that's the <laughs> kid. <Yeah. laughs> Yikes. Uh, no, obviously Patrick Mahomes is the envy of the NFL right now, and I even went ahead – I'm not going to say that on this podcast, but I told you guys in person. Yeah, but yeah. I will say this. I would love to have a, a 
young stud 23 year old quarterback again. I remember those days fondly. I remember a young Aaron Rodgers with, you know, the world in front of him, nothing but bright skies in front of us. And you know what? We're, we're kind of on the dwindling back end of that. So I'm a little bit envious of you in Kansas city. Um, but Craig, uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Before I let you go, Craig and I were actually at the senior bowl this last week with a couple other, a uh, couple other guys from Arrowhead pride. We're going to, uh, my buddy Ross and I are going to riff on that in just a second. But before we do that, I'm kind of put you on the spot here. Who was the number one guy that you walked away from the senior bowl impressed with this week? Honestly, just from a an expectation versus what we saw on the field, and I don't think we talked about him nearly enough in our podcast, the AP Laboratory over on Arrowhead Pride, but uh, Lonnie Johnson out of Kentucky is this big press corner. I watched his film before we went out there. I kind of had a meh feeling about him. He didn't really impress me. He didn't really have long speed. He ended up being one of the probably top two corners that were out there this week. He was fantastic, fantastic all week long. And, yeah, I think he really cemented himself. I think he uh, had his stock climb a ton this past week. Awesome. That's perfect because he was not a guy I was even going to talk about today. But, yeah, Lonnie Johnson was super impressive. Uh, Again, Craig, thanks for joining me. This, again, was Craig Stout at Barley Hop, if you want to follow him on Twitter. Um, And if you want to go and check out, if you just really want to learn anything about defense, they got some really awesome stuff going on at Arrowhead Pride right now about the 4-3 under um, that they're expecting to run in Kansas City. So if you honestly just want to learn about defense, X's and O's, head on over to Arrowhead Pride and and give them a couple clicks because that stuff is super good, super informative. Again, Craig, thank you so much for joining me, bud. Thanks for having me, Jake. All right, and as promised, I am now joined by my co-host extraordinaire, Ross Uglum. You can find him on Twitter at Ross Uglum. Um, But as Craig and I were just talking about, we were down in Mobile just this last week, had a really good time, Uh, got to talk to a lot of the players, do a lot of that stuff. Um, Ross, you've been to Mobile in the past as well, correct? I have not. No, I have not. That's on my my list. just hasn't worked out i get because i covered college basketball for north dakota state i get really busy uh in in late february and early march and so it's just difficult for me to also uh spend you know january or part of january away from home as well that's understandable and like you said it is any anyone that's even a draft fan needs to get down there. I mean, it is, it's Comic-Con, honestly, for NFL draft nerds. Um, but I was lucky enough this year to go down there and actually have a media credential through Arrowhead Pride. Um, as I was just talking to Craig, those guys write for the Chiefs, and um, we've been putting together a, a draft guide for the Chiefs as well. So we were lucky enough to get credential to go down there. Um, really, really neat. I mean, obviously, going down there, you you get to run into all different types of people. I mean, Mike Mayock sat two rows in front of us at the weigh-ins, which if you've never been to the Underwear Olympic weigh-ins, it is bizarre. It is weird, um, but it's something that everyone's everyone's there to see. And one of the scouts, uh, one of the Raiders scouts is actually in front of us and kind of just talking to him. He's, you know, it, the stuff they look for is just, is, is just next level stuff. I just leaned over and asked him, hey, you know, when they're walking away, you're really watching them. And he's like, yeah, you know, it is it's kind of weird to kind of watch them walk away. But you got to understand, you know, a 5'11", 230 pound man 
can look at a lot of different ways, you know, and even just watching someone walk away, this guy said to me, you can tell what kind of athlete they are. And just to kind of hear that, some of that stuff, some of it's you kind of Ross, you're like, okay, like I think maybe you're overthinking it a little bit, but also those guys are smart. They're smart dudes. Um, but it was, it was really fun too to get to talk to a lot of the players. It was a really neat experience, but what Ross and I are going to talk about today is there, I got a list of about seven or so guys that really stood out to me this weekend and Ross being uh, kind of a draft nerd as well um, knows, knows quite a bit about, uh, especially a few of these guys on this list too. So I kind of wanted to just talk about uh, this list and go through these guys. Some of these guys are on this list because at media day, we got to speak to a lot of these guys. And one question I asked all of them was, have you met with the Packers? So there's a few guys on here that have met with the Packers that I'm going to bring up just to, um, because obviously there's some kind of interest and, you know, a lot of those meetings don't really mean anything other than, you know, maybe a scout just needs their birthday, but they still met with them. So there's some level of interest there. So Russ, the first guy I want to bring up is your boy. This is a guy that you've already stated on this podcast. You are willing to die on the hill for this guy. And I need to actually apologize to Dalton Risner because he's on my list of people that stood out. He stood out to me in the wrong ways in the first day on the first day of practice. You know, they played him out at right tackle the whole time. He did not look comfortable out there the first day. His his pass sets were slow. They were clunky. He just did not look at all comfortable. And I talked to Dalton and he kept telling me, you know, I keep, I keep volunteering to go to guard, but they want me to stay at tackle. And I think that says a lot. And those, I think those coaches and scouts were proved right because honestly, Ross, after the first day, he was freaking lights out. He was so good at right tackle. Now he may still end up as a guard in the NFL and that's fine. But as, as a, as a guy, like he kind of reminds me of a TJ Lane coming out of Eastern Michigan. Cause he is scrappy. This guy's like starting fights. Like, the, the second and third day, which the scouts and coaches that are there love it. They they love a guy that's scrappy like that. And so that kind of reminded me a little bit of TJ just because he's kind of got that edge to him. Um, but that was what that was my impression of him this week. After that first day, he just didn't lose. Didn't lose at all. Um, he's got good hand placement. He's got heavy hands. He's a big, powerful guy. He's got long arms too. But Ross, I know Dalton Risner is kind of your dude and you, you cover the K-State Wildcats now too. So he kind of has to be your guy. But Ross, what are your thoughts um, on Dalton Risner? Yeah, uh, Dalton, you know, his career is over now at Kansas State, and, and my time actually covering the team uh, hasn't started because I, I started after their season ended, but that's kind of neither here nor there. Two uh, ships in the night, Ross, just two ships in the yeah, night. Dalton just, uh, the way he finishes, his attitude, his versatility – uh, played center at Kansas State, in my opinion, at an All-American level, uh, then kicked out to right tackle and uh, very clearly played at an All-American level. was basically one of the better offensive linemen in the entire country. Um, just nasty. You called him scrappy. Uh, I think scrappy, sometimes that word gets associated with a lack of athleticism or you know, kind of being like under-tooled. Dalton is not under-tooled. He's, he's going to be um, you know, dominant at times. And, and, and so that's why I, you know, use the word nasty. One definite game I would, I would suggest. And it's funny because we had a cheesehead TV commenter say that Montez sweat ate him alive. I would challenge anybody to go back and, and watch a Montez line up against Dalton for 60 minutes and, and say that 
anybody but Dalton won that matchup. I mean, he was very, very good against Mississippi State. Montez got one sack on him, but it was a situation where the quarterback panicked and ran, you know, stepped backwards basically into the arc where you, you, you they talk about the arc of, of where a tackle is supposed to, you know, keep pushing and keep moving a, a, a defensive end around, therefore creating the pocket. And and Delton just backed up into the pocket. He, he had three total tackles, including that sack. And one of the tackles was a tackle for loss where he uh, escorted a wide receiver out of bounds on a double reverse. So a very, very quiet game for Montez. Montez was somebody that really, uh, you know, had a lot of publicity during that week. Uh, most of that publicity was, frankly, just for how, the way he measured in. But, man. Um, Dalton was great in that game. He was great in conference play. He was a good center. He was a really good right tackle. And I just appreciate the way he plays the game. A hundred percent. And I think with Dalton too, and you've, you've highlighted this a couple of times, he'd be such a great fit for the Packers kind of with the knee just on that right side of the offensive line. Because honestly, I think he's a kid that you plug in at right guard or right tackle and you don't worry about it for 10 years. And in fact, that's even, some of the scouts I talked to, that's even that's that was their sentiment was he's a kid. You just draft, you plug him in and and honestly, you forget about it. So that's that's super high praise for a kid like that. Um, I've been hearing top 50 buzz for him. Uh, I would love it. I know you're big on and it seems like Packers Twitter is really big on edge at 12 Dalton at 30. And while I would not be upset with that whatsoever, I think there's a chance that they could get Dalton at 44 just from what I heard this week. Now there's a lot of time left, but um, if, gosh, if they could get edge, you know, something else and Dalton Risner at 44, uh, you could call it a day. You really could. That would be an incredible draft, but uh, we will move on to the next guy. And the next guy I have is actually another offensive tackle uh, from USC. And this is a guy that really was not on my radar very much coming into this week. But just rep after rep, you talked about that that arc, that, that offensive tackle arc where that's where the pocket is created. And this is a guy that just seamlessly, right, just w- who didn't matter who it was. And granted, Montez Sweat was probably the best edge there. And he's not really the over, you know, he's not the quickest or best or bendiest edge. So the competition maybe wasn't up um, like it would be in the NFL. But they've got, this guy's name is Chuma Idoga. And so he is an offensive tackle. He's a little bit shorter. He is 6'3", but he's got 35-inch arms, and his feet are incredible. I mean, this guy gets into his pass sets seamlessly. I mean, it's very smooth. And he basically – I don't think he got beat all week. And he doesn't have really the physical – he's not a physically imposing-looking guy. He's just a shade over 300. I said he's got the long arms, but that's really the only plus – tool he has besides obviously his feet and he played right tackle at USC and they put him on at left tackle all week and like I said dude just did not get beat um so I think when you talk about fit with the Packers obviously they have the best left tackle in football in David Bakhtiari but Brian Bulaga is not a I mean he's really not old either and I'm all for Brian Bulaga playing as long as he can stay healthy because when he's healthy I don't think there's any argument you can make that he's not a top five right tackle in the NFL. But he hasn't been able to stay healthy um, all the time. So Chuma Idoga is a guy that I really had my eye on. I think he could probably be a top 100 pick when it's all said and done. Um, Ross, do you have any thoughts on this guy? 
Yeah, Chuma's a really interesting guy. I wanted uh, our friend Reese Draft or Owen Reese to kind of take a look at him. Uh, Profile is kind of like a David Bakhtari and not necessarily, you know, I'm not expecting him to come in and be like the best pass protector in the entire National Football League. But he kind of projects like right away as a guy that uh, soft is the wrong word, but kind of in that area. And what I mean by Mm -hmm. that is not a grader. You know, not somebody that you're going to be like, all right, well, we're going to just run behind this guy, and that's going to be our run offense. He's going to be an athletic guy, somebody that can be coached up to be dependable and pass pro. And then as Bakhtari did, get better and better and better at run blocking. As his career, you know, kind of goes on, as he gets in a National Football League strength and conditioning program, then the the rest of it will come. But that's what I kind of saw was – a real toolsy tackle, somebody that had good feet and somebody that I think ultimately has a chance to start out as somebody you can really trust in pass pro. And the way that this league is going, that is so, so important. And it's funny you bring up Bakhtiari because honestly the whole week, I didn't want to make that comparison because I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be the Packers fan making comparisons to all the Packers players, but that's I think you're you hit the nail on the head. You really did. Because even from a physicality standpoint, like physically looking at the guys, what they lack is the same. Like Bakhtiari's not the tallest guys. He's got he's got decent, you know, arm length. He's a, he's lighter in the he's lighter in the pants, just like uh Idoga is. So he's a guy to really get excited about. Like you said, he's <laughs> to say he's gonna be the next Bakhtiari, that's uh, you know, fourth round left tackles like that don't come around very often. But you know, who knows? Um so he, he is also a guy, though, that I did hear some whispers this week that does not have the best attitude and may have some character concerns. Um, I guess he did not take very well the coaching this week. So that report has kind of been out there as well. But, you know, like I said, he's a guy to keep an eye on. You don't really know any of this stuff. He was a, he was a guy that I actually did not get to talk to this week. Um, it's just kind of it's hectic during me, the media time to try to catch any of these guys. And when they're performing like Chuma was, he's just got a pool of people around him. So he was a guy I didn't really get to talk to. Um, but the next guy on my list is actually uh, a, a two, the next two guys are actually FCS players um, that really played well. The first one on my list is a guy by the name of Kalen Saunders. A, uh, he's, he's a D tackle from Western Illinois. And I mean, this, if you, and his, his, his tape blew up, not his tape, but if you saw the the video of the defensive tackle looking guy doing a backhand spring to a backflip, that was Kalen Saunders. And so he is a very impressive looking athlete. And not just because he can do backflips, but just because of the way he plays. Now he measured in at a shade under six one. He's about 3'10". He's got good weight to him, but he's got short arms and small hands. But I think he makes up for it with his athleticism. The way he uses even though his hands are small, he's got pretty heavy hands. When he gets them on you, you can really see him jolt the offensive lineman. And this guy is quick as a cat. He also stays on his feet incredibly well, which is a super underrated aspect of playing defensive line in the NFL. But you would see this guy get knocked off balance, put a hand in the ground like a running back, and continue on the path to the quarterback multiple times this week. So he's a guy that's really intriguing to me. But other than that, I don't really know a ton about him. But, Ross, you're kind of the resident FCS guy around here, and I know that you know a little bit about Kalen Saunders. 
Yeah, he he's something else, man. Uh, you see the way he flips around and stuff uh, in those viral videos, and he's a guy, you know. And, and I've been kind of painstakingly going through NDSU's tape for the last two seasons, uh, doing work very similar to what I do, you know, for for Green Bay. And he's a guy, even in 2017, where I, I just couldn't believe man uh wow it, it he he just blew up uh on tape and that's not something that you see from an interior defensive lineman all the time uh, he he was so explosive athletically and uh North Dakota State has some really good linemen uh Joe Hag is in the league uh, Billy Turner's still in the league I would guess that at some point their current left tackle Dylan Radens will be in the league they have some hosses up front, and uh, those hosses have basically been getting ragdolled by Colin Saunders for the last two years. He is a draftable prospect, I think, uh, and and um, I don't I don't have enough, frankly, projection from guys I trust as far as people coming around, you know, with seven round mocks or four round mocks or five round mocks. So. I don't really know where public consensus is on, on, on Kalen Saunders, but for me, I, I, I would guess that I'm going to have a hard time keeping him out of my top 100. That would be my my personal guess. Uh, I'm really excited to see what that, that kid can do at the, at the combine because his weight and his refrigerator frame, uh, if he blows up the combine, he's going to shoot up uh, up draft boards because that's – Usually the number one thing for FCS prospects is people want a freak athlete to kind of make up for the concerns about level of competition. Well, and you know, the guy, the name that kept getting thrown around was another FCS guy last year, PJ Hall, as a guy that they, people kind of think is a similar comp to him and PJ Hall went in the second round. So, and uh, so you never know. Like you said, it's going to be, you know, how does he run? What's his three cone? All that stuff. What what are his explosive numbers? But judging by just looking at this guy, he looks like a guy that's going to test really well. So he's certainly someone to keep an eye on for the Packers, especially because I think he could kind of come in and play, you know, that Mike Daniels role. Um, and, um, you know, and I, I, go ahead, Russ. Oh, nothing, nothing. No, I, um, the thing about, you know, Saunders is, I think he's two inches taller than PJ Hall too. Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting too is when you watch Thunder State, Western Illinois lets him stand up and, and rush the passer. I mean, he he does some crazy stuff. Um and unfortunately, you know, we were all we were all kind of hoping they'd let him do that at the senior bowl just to kind of display his athleticism. Unfortunately they didn't. Um, but he also Saunders also had a lot going on. I don't know if you saw this story or not, but his his fiance actually gave birth to their first child between day one and day two. So he actually flew home that night, got to hold his baby girl, and then came back for day two of practice. And that's impressive. I mean, I know scouts were impressed with that, how he's treating this like the it's the biggest job interview of his life because it is. And, you know, he's like, I want to be home for that, but this is an opportunity for me and my family and my new daughter that I need to be here at practice. Um, so that's really cool to see that. Um, and I know I didn't, he's another guy I did not get to talk to Saunders, but I know people were impressed with him and he did interview well. Um, the next guy I have on the list is someone, Ross, I know you are very familiar with. 
uh, another FCS guy, someone that, that got hurt in day two after not looking good. <laughs> but in day one, on day one, he had quite a bit of buzz surrounding him. That's Bruce Anderson, the running back out of North Dakota State. Basically, in that first practice, Bruce was by far, in a way, the best pass-catching running back in that group, and it wasn't even close. You know, they're putting these guys up one-on-one against linebackers, and Bruce was absolutely putting linebackers in a blender. Now, he got he got stood up one time, but, I mean, you just talk about a natural ability to, to get out of the backfield and to catch the ball and to turn up field and just to be an athlete in space. And Bruce really surprised me. And, you know, I'm a North Dakota State fan as well, so I've watched Bruce for the last four years. And this is a guy that, you know, he contributes on special teams. But even so, I didn't think Bruce was – was that good out of the backfield. I mean, there were, I mean, he was a guy that was getting oohs and ahs out of, out of the crowd. Now the second day when they did pass protection, he got ragdolled three times in a row. And that was surprising to me. And Ross, I'll let you speak on this a little bit more because that didn't show up to me on tape. That was, that was a little bit interesting. Um, and if, and it, it, no one but Bruce can say this, but it, it honest, honestly, it looked like the first time he just wasn't ready for the bull rush that came from that linebacker. The second time, I think he was a little bit more ready for it. So he lunged and missed and was off balance. And then the third time um, he actually had a pretty decent rep. He didn't win, but it was a lot better than the first two. So talk to me a little bit about Bruce Ross. Um, talk especially about, about his pass protection. It was that something that was a concern at North Dakota state. Well, it's tough to be a concern when you have like a 75, 25 run pass ratio and most of the passes off the play action. Not a ton of dropback stuff in NDSU's offense. They didn't need to. Uh, you know, they were pretty darn dominant without it. Uh, but, yeah, he's something else, man. He was, I think, the best kick returner in the FCS as a true freshman and then kind of made his way towards respectability as a runner, you know, into his junior and, and senior season was a guy that really struggled with vision early in his career, uh, pretty much ran kind of what play was called. But as he progressed and as he got a little bit older, he, he, he very much improved in that area. And and I think uh, would even have vision as a plus trait now. Speed is, is, is really a plus with him. Just general uh, breakaway speed. I think is going to be a number that's very, you know, to people's liking uh, in the 40. And, and, and here's a couple crazy, crazy, crazy numbers for you. It, as a junior, and, and keep in mind, this is North Dakota State's offense. As a junior, eight catches, 156 yards, three scores. That's an average per catch of 19 and a half yards. As a tailback, 19 and a half yards a catch. Senior season. 12 catches, 199 yards, three touchdowns for an average, for an average of 16.6 yards a catch. So as a tailback, over two separate seasons, he had average per catch numbers of better than 16 yards. He is uh, something else in the open field. And uh, the key is going to be for NFL teams to get him in the open field. But at 5'11", 210, I mean, he has the frame of a feature back. It's not like he, he's not a gadget player. That's not what Bruce Anderson is at all. So uh, a guy that probably more than anything, to be honest with you, Jake, needs more pass pro reps because 
it really just was not that much of a part of what they did. He was not necessarily the tailback that they would have in the game in obvious passing situations. But again, you're talking about an offense, uh, you know, last season that, well, I mean, every season, I say last season, but it's, it's, it's every single season. Um, These guys, and I'm looking at the numbers and I found them finally 670 rushing attempts and Easton threw it 290 times. That is a bonkers ratio. And it's not, you know, anything like what you'll ever, ever see in the NFL. It sounds honestly like they're a wing T team or a triple option team, but they're not. They run plenty of shotgun run and they run, you know, inverted bone run and they, they run out of ACE and they run out of 21. And, you know, they, they do, Lots of NFL things, but as far as, you know, dropping back to pass and needing to be this, uh, needing to be this Jamal Williams level guy in pass pro, he's just not there yet. And it's on, you know, it's honestly, I don't want to, I don't want, again, I don't want to be the Packers fan comparing prospects to Packers players, but I think he's got some Aaron Jones in him. When you watch him run and you watch him in the open field, just the way he can make people miss at full speed, it's an impressive trait. So I think, you know, I, I got to talk to Bruce, and I, th- I think he was pretty surprised when I threw the horns up and said, go Bison. Um, but uh, but he was a real fun guy to talk to, and I, I know he interviewed well. Uh, really, really well-spoken guy. Um, so, you know, I, t- I asked him, you know, I said, what, you know, what rounds, what rounds are you hearing? And, you know, he gave me a great answer. He just said, I'm just – I'm just looking for a chance, you know, and then I, he, he did meet with the Packers as well this week. He, so um, I asked him if he met with the Packers. He said, yeah, I met with them last night. I actually asked him how it went. He said it went really well. I said, how would it, you know, how would it feel to live, to, to play with Aaron Rodgers? And he's, you know, he gave me the, the, the right answer. He's like, that would be a dream come true, you know? So um, cool, cool guy. Um, so hopefully, you know, he, he will get a chance, but hopefully he gets drafted. Um, hopefully by the Packers, that'd be great. Just keep that, keep that green and yellow going. Um, but the, the next, and we'll speed this up a little bit. Cause I got a few guys left here. Um, the tight end position is something that I kept a close eye on just because I think the Packers are in the market for a young tight end. And while this tight end class is stupid talented, I mean, and I mean, stupid talented, like this is maybe, this is maybe Ross, the most talented tight end group that we've seen like in our knowledgeable fanhood. I mean, they really are good. But this, there were three seniors that really stood out to me. Um, one of them, Foster Moreau, the tight end from LSU. Another one, Josh Oliver, the tight end from San Jose State. And then Dax Raymond, the tight end from Utah State. Three guys that I really liked. Now, Oliver and Raymond are more of your pass-catching tight ends, and that's great, and I like that, but – um, and you can speak to this too, Ross, but it would it would appear in Matt LaFleur's offense, it would appear that he likes to have a guy that's a little bit more in line. Um, so that's why I would say when you're looking for an in-line guy, the best in the senior class I really think is Foster Moreau. He's a guy that blocked a ton at LSU, but I think he showed this week at the Senior Bowl that he's got some juice. He's not just a guy that needs to stay in and block. Now, is he a guy that's going to, you know, Travis Kelsey, you catch 100 balls for 1,500 yards? No. But I think he's a guy that can come in and be a, a very good number two, especially if you get a guy earlier like a Noah Fant or a uh, 
or like a or what is his face Irv from Alabama or what, who am I thinking of there? Irv Smith. Irv Smith, yeah, Irv Smith, one of those guys. T.J. Hawkinson. T.J. Hawkinson seems like he'd be the dream for this Matt Lafleur offense. But uh, a guy like uh, Foster Moreau would be a really nice fit as well. He's a guy I got to uh, talk to at length as well. Super mature guy. I was actually really impressed, probably most impressed with, with talking to him out of all the people I got to talk to. You know, we talked about what what do you what can you bring to an NFL team, and the first two things you said are accountability and leadership, and those things like. That's not the typical response you're getting from guys. You know, guys are talking about their numbers they're going to put up, how they're going to do this and that. And Foster was very much set on, you know, just the, the team, the team atmosphere and bringing leadership and accountability, showing up every day to work as hard as he could. I was really impressed with him. Um, of those three guys, Ross, do you know much about those guys? And do you have much to, to say about any of them at this point? I mean, I, I agree with what you said about Foster, and just in general, the the depth and breadth of this class is incredible. Uh, I don't, you know, we we kind of gotta keep it moving here, but uh, this is definitely a year where they need to take one or two tight ends. It just has to happen. Uh, the, the the offense that they're gonna run with outside zone, uh, you need to have tight ends throughout at the point of attack on that, and helping out your tackles with combos and stuff, and and they just are gonna need to get um, guys that aren't you know, second and third contract cast offs from other teams. They, they've got to develop a, a a tight end of their own or, or maybe two. And, and this sure seems like the class to do it in. 100%. Yep. The next two I'll go through kind of quick and I'll let you jump in if you want to talk about either of these guys. One of them, uh, Jalen Jelks, the edge, the edge from Oregon. The reason I throw him in there, he didn't have a particularly um, dominant week. He had, he looked good in spurts. He's a toolsy guy. But when I talk I, when I talked to him about who he met with, uh, he talked about the Packers and his eyes lit up. I mean, he just reading his body language, you could tell that that was a meeting that went really well with him. Um, and just from kind of and so and just to kind of paint you a picture, you can look in the stands and all the scouts stay together and they wear their uniforms. So if you want to go look for the Packers scouts. They're all in a bundle, all right next to each other. You can go stand by them and kind of hear what they're talking about. And I'm just going to say Jalen Jelks is a guy that they they paid pretty close attention to. So he's a name maybe to put a bookmark by, um, and we'll see what, what comes with that. The next guy was someone that was not really on my radar at all. In fact, for the draft guide that I write for, I have the receivers group, and he was a guy that I couldn't even find any film on, even though he's an Ohio State guy. Um, in fact, he, he came to Mobile – because NFL teams wanted to see him as a, a punt gunner because, I mean, he's good at it. He, he's probably the best gunner in college football. But that's Terry McLaurin, the receiver from Ohio State. And he did nothing but impress at receiver the entire time there. Was he the best receiver in Mobile? No, I don't think so. I think Debo probably was. But Terry McLaurin is from a, the perspective of where you started at the beginning of the week to where you finished at the end of the week. He might have been the, the biggest winner of the entire week, Ross. Um, and so I don't know, did you even, um, do you even know who that guy was coming into this week? Like, honestly, I, mean, I, I did. And I got some of that buzz on Twitter and I, I just said the same thing, which I'll always do. And that's the guys that have bad college stats. I, I got to go back to the film and, and kind of be able to make an excuse before I'm going to get really excited. Um, you know, he's not even a workout warrior. He's just an all-star game warrior. Uh, I, I, it really bugs me. Um, you know, when you see a low reception guy, especially the dude played with Dwayne Haskins. He's probably the number one 
quarterback off the board. It's not like he had bad quarterback play. Uh, so I, I'm going to pump the brakes until I get a chance to watch more, but I'm going to guess that this was probably the, the high end of where his stock will be at. Do you want to know something? Did you know, did you know that this guy had over 700 yards receiving and double digit reception receiving touchdowns this year? McLaurin? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like nobody knew who this guy was and he had decent stats, but and are you looking and look and look that up? Make sure I'm right. But I don't think so. I'm looking at 35 total catches. Well, yeah, there you go. 11 touchdowns, 35 yeah. total catches, 29 the year before, 700 yards, 11 scores. So he was a red zone guy for sure. Well, look, yeah, and a big play guy. You know, 35 yeah. catches for 700 yards. But that, but yeah, no, it's I was 20 so, yards to catch. I mean, my thing with him is 75 total receptions in his career. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. not enough. Well, we'll we'll see. I mean, but yeah. even so, even so, like like I I didn't I did the same thing you just did. Someone told me that, and I said no, he didn't. Because honestly, I, I I and you knew who he was. I had no idea. I sure. thought he was Paris, I thought he was Paris Campbell or whoever that guy is. I was like, oh, that's that uh, that deep receiver, that that fast guy from Ohio State. Like, no, this is a different guy. And like I said though, too, scouts um, from from what I gathered, they didn't they wanted they honestly wanted to see him as a special teamer. That's why he was there. So you never know. A guy gets an opportunity. I mean, he definitely increased his draft stock. Now, like you said, Ross, he he wasn't a stud in college, but um, but he was decent. You know, Michael Thomas only had 900 receiving yards his senior year at Ohio State, but he was kind of the focal point. I. But anyways, anyways, we'll move on. the the uh, the t- the time will time will tell, I guess. Um, Ross, I could sit here probably and talk to you about prospects for the next four hours. Um, but I don't think anyone wants to hear that. So um, as we get closer to draft season, you know, Ross and I won't always be doing draft pod stuff, but um, I know Ross and I are both kind of big draft geeks. So as we get closer, we'll probably throw some names out there um, as the combine hits and all that kind of stuff. So uh, make sure you're following along with us and, and we'll try to keep you guys as up to date on that as you can. Um, Make sure you're following Cheesehead TV too. They put out one of the best fan draft guides out there second to none i mean and believe me i know because i've i've actually written for a couple and she said tv is right up there with anybody so uh, make sure as we get closer i i think pre-orders are actually coming out on the draft guide in february is that correct ross i believe so yep and there as per usual they'll be a couple bucks cheaper on the pre-order than they will once we drop it Yep, but if you follow Ross or I or Cheese at TV, you will get all that information. We'll be pumping that stuff out. So, Ross, thanks for joining me. Thanks for talking about some prospects. Um, we'll catch you guys next time. As always, go back. Shotgun formation of third and 15 to the 46-yard line of Dallas. They empty the shotgun. Cobb in motion to the left side. Rodgers looks it over against the snap. Back pedals now under some pressure. Steps up, throws it over the middle. Good Adams! 30! Turns up field, 25! Cutting right to the 20! Starts to his left. Now he moves, starts to the right side. Snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield, being flushed. Rolling left, winds up. Rainbows it high and deep into the end zone. It's high. What did it caught? It is caught for a touchdown. One kick away from the NFC Championship game. From the 
Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.